Um, yeah, so um, Happy New Year, everyone. It's nice to see everyone after a break. Um, and it's good to see so many people here for a couple of reasons. Um, first, the road is kind of an adventure. Um, and so that's part of it. Um, also, with our teacher being gone, it's kind of like, I had mentioned this last time, but it's kind of like kids, kids in charge, you know, moms out of town sort of week. So it's nice to see people still attending um, because of that. Um, yeah, and so all of that, in addition to just kind of it being usually kind of difficult to come to practice um, on a Sunday morning. So, um, yeah, so thanks everyone for coming and making this place uh, a practice center. Um, so, yeah, so over the break, um, I saw my family a lot, as I think a lot of us did, and people that are kind of close to us throughout the holidays. Um, and it kind of got me thinking about sort of that relationship in terms of our practice um, and how our love and attachment to our families um, really kind of fits into our practice. Um, a lot of people here um, attend fairly regularly, and I think anyone that's heard me talk about my practice in the last year has heard a lot about this difficult year that I've had. Um, because it's hard to kind of separate life and practice, and, and we shouldn't. Um, but, yeah, so, it's, so family's been on my mind a lot. Um, my mom died in March after a lot of hospitalization and a lot of stuff like that. My dad got cancer in September. Um, he's doing a lot better. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's just been, it's just, it's been a tough year, so there's, a, so there's that extra focus kind of on family after all the changes that my family have been through um, with being home for the first time. Um, and now, um, my husband now is at home, uh, try, recover, like trying to pass a kidney stone. So um, more hospital times, and so it's not just um, kind of the losses in my own life or, or, or things, but just seeing people that I love in pain, whether for something like this, um, something more serious, like when there's kind of this realization that like a family member is going to die, um, finding out that you have cancer. So there's just been this extra kind of bonding between me and my family this year, um, on top of all of this kind of horrible stuff that's been going on. Um, and I think part of that, and I think everybody really experiences this, but I can, we, we, we were in the emergency room on Thursday and um, you know, when he's kind of there, in pain and also kind of, you know, confused. Nobody knows what's going on until after these tests and stuff. Um, you know, being kind of a, a family member and being there with someone who's really important to me, I can kind of feel their pain in a way. I mean, not physically, because obviously, like, I don't have, well, I hope I don't have any stones in my kidneys, but now it's like a fear of mine. Um, <laughs> but, um, and, which is something I've never thought about before. But, I can I can kind of feel his psychological pain I think from that kind of attachment and connection between two people um, and I remember that very similarly with um, my mom who was in there in a lot of pain for not even just before she died but for years before that um, and really just kind of these struggles that we share with the people that we're close to in our lives 
um, that are part of our family and, 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 you know, and, and, and our friends that are kind of like family because I think family has a lot of different meanings to a lot of people and it's not always necessarily um, the people who you have a blood relation to. Um, so, yeah, so attachment, I guess, is kind of a, like this dirty word in, in Buddhism. Um, I mean, one of the Four Noble Truths is kind of uh, related to how our suffering is arising from these attachments that we have in life, these cravings for things and wanting things to be a different way, kind of, um, I mean, there's a lot that could be endlessly interpreted by a lot of people who know a lot more about this than me. Um, but so I think it leads to a lot of these kind of misconceptions where on the surface you may picture that any sort of attachment is kind of quote unquote bad um, or something that's at least under, undesirable in a way. And I think that we kind of have these pictures in our minds of these um, arhats and enlightened people who are kind of, you know, just completely unattached from the world and in this blissful state. And then we come to our own practice um, and meditation is not really like that. Um, I think we all find out. I mean, it is sometimes. I've certainly experienced blissful states of meditation, but it's usually not like that. Um, so, yeah, so I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit more in depth, um, since a lot of Buddhist kind of teachings tend to be um, a little bit more subtle. And also kind of coming from this feeling that there was definitely nothing unskillful in my mind, it seems, about kind of the attachment that I had to my mother and that kind of made this situation difficult for me with her death. Like, I wouldn't say that that's something I should try to not be attached to people like that, to protect myself from that, because it's almost like that's just an attachment to, you know, wanting to cling to kind of stability and not losing the things that are impermanent that we know we're going to lose. Um... You know, but I can see also, as with most things in my life, there certainly are other more unskillful things that kind of came along with that. So while, you know, the grief of, of, of losing my mother might have been one thing, um, at a certain point, I think there were parts of it that you know, weren't necessarily within my control, um, I'm not saying that it's my fault that I was kind of feeling depressed after all of this, because I think it's normal for people to go through all of this. But um, certainly a lot of the kind of habits and patterns and thoughts that I was having, um, I think those would be more on the side of what um, a, a Buddhist would consider as this, more of this kind of attachment, more of just kind of just churning away and thinking and thinking about what it is and what it means and um, you know, and, and taking that step beyond the emotions, and now I've, I've, in a way, um, had kind of grasped onto that, uh, grasped onto the kind of pain of the grief and what that means. Um, so, yeah, so it is, it is, it is very confusing, and, and it's, it's part of what I like about this kind of philosophy of Zen is that there's, you know, there's really no kind of black and white thing, and kind of all these parts of just take it or leave it. Um, and so I guess a lot of these misconceptions probably come from the fact that uh, Buddhism isn't really historically much of a family religion. 
Um, I think that the way, the way we see Buddhism practiced here in um, America at a lot of Zen centers, um, especially by um, Westerners and people who didn't come from Buddhist cultures, um, it's very much of a lay practice. Um, and it has been for a very long time. So in a lot of cultures, historically, where Buddhism was practiced, um, this would be, there's this idea of kind of a home lever, of you know, these, these wayward kind of people leaving their kind of earthly um, life and going off to be part of a monastery. That certainly kind of evolved over time with kind of some ideas related to the Mahayana traditions, but that's not really what I want to talk about today. Um, so, yes, but, but we do have a very much more kind of lay practice here um, in, in, in the United States. And so because of that, um, I think we're seeing how this practice applies to a more modern life of, of attachments. And it's inevitable that as I'm out in the world living a lay person's life, that I'm going to form these bonds and form these attachments. And um, I don't know, maybe someone would, out there would say that I'm wrong. I don't think anyone here, or probably most people in Zen, but um, I, I would say it is not you know, beneficial to my practice to be avoiding making those kinds of, of attachments. Um, so I was thinking about the distinction with that, and it seems a lot, uh, it seems very similar, this idea of love and then where that becomes attachment to kind of ideas more of when we're sitting, um, and particularly in beginner's instruction, and particularly in my mind when I'm sitting and trying to deal with my own experience, this distinction between um, pain and suffering, um, and kind of having, you know, pain, let's say physical pain, because it's simple, um, simpler than uh, psychological pain, which I certainly also experience on the cushion. Um, but let's say my knee hurts or something. Um, that's just a sensation, and it's really, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's neither good nor bad. But then around that, I kind of have, like, my perception that I don't want this, and I want to change it, and I have um, the, all of these ideas about how my knee should feel and how what I could do to fix it, and uh, just a lot more. But even just on the, even minus all of that thinking and word kind of thoughts of like, I'm thinking this about it and thinking this about it. There's just a general sense of like aversion to certain pains like that. Um, and I think that kind of aversion stemming from, I want that to change. Um, it's my understanding that that's kind of the, where suffering steps in. Um, and that's, and so it's kind of like between the pain there and the suffering, that's kind of when our practice has something to say about that. Um, and again, it's not to blame anyone because I think that that's equally human is to, to, to have these attachments and suffering. So, I, you know, so that's why it's recommended, like if we're all sitting and you, you know, maybe you notice your thinking or maybe and then you can just kind of return to the breath, but then maybe you judge yourself for thinking and then you can still notice that you judged yourself um, and just kind of, you know, it's that it's just, just kind of allowing everything, especially including the inevitability of us kind of having these aversions and, and things to stuff like pain. Um, and I think it's similar like that with love and attachment. It's, you know, it's taking this kind of human experience that we have of bonding with the people in our life. Um, and then that's 
that's just kind of the base level of experience. And then on top of that, stacking a bunch of other stories, um, which could be completely on the surface, like with friends and things. Like I'm, I, I might be thinking of, you know, how can I keep this person in my life? How can I, you know, it's not, it's not always this kind of negative scheming, but there's kind of a scheming, I think, that people do with other people. Um, you know, and thinking like that, um, I think that also we, when I think of then what the, this kind of human experience of, of, of love and really looking kind of back over just seeing all my family and stuff, um, the loving kindness sutra that we read during the um, opening, as we do really often here, has a part that talks about um, even as a mother at the risk of her life watches over and protects her only child, so with a boundless mind should one cherish all living things, suffusing love over the whole world, above, below, and all around without limit. Um, and so there's this idea then in Zen, and I don't think just Zen, I think pretty much any spiritual practice I've ever heard of, um, of you know, deal, dealing with this idea of, of, of attaching to people, not by shrinking away and avoiding these attachments, um, but more by seeing that, you know, while there may be life and biological factors connecting me more to certain people, uh, the, there's kind of, in spiritual practice, this movement towards not intentionally seeing the world differently, but it sounds like there's, over time, people tend to start to see more connections between people, uh, more ways that we're similar with other people, um, which I think is also something we can all experience because it's not like I only have empathy for my family and friends. Um, certainly we, we all also experience strangers going through things and if it happens to cross our awareness in the right way, um, that can also be a very strong kind of um, human experience. Uh, but yes, this idea of kind of expanding that circle, though, to include more and more things, more and more people. And I think also that our practice, in a lot of ways, gives us a lot of awareness about how we're not doing that, um, which I think for a long time I struggled, and probably and to an extent maybe still struggle with this kind of, um, oh my God, am I a bad person? Kind of like, when we, when we, when we start to look at our minds and start to see some of the more selfish Stuff, which I think if we're asking if that makes us a bad person and contemplating that and trying to be positive. I mean, I think that doesn't make us a bad person. Um, but that's not Zen, that's just me. Um, so, because I, yeah, I don't want to say that Zen would say anything is good or bad. So, um, yeah, but I think, you know, families, that is just, it's the first place where we kind of have that experience that, of, of, of not being separate. Um, and I think that, you know, things things like romantic love and, and, and or, or, or even platonically just very close friendships and family relationships, um, you know, where we start to kind of have these experiences where, um, you know, Matt, Matt is having these, is in this pain and it's bothering me too. Um, not the same way, I'm not trying to equalize it, but it's bothering me too. And seeing kind of all the people around me suffering, bothering me too. So, for example, Christmas, um, 
not a very big, I mean, I have, my family had Christmas traditions and things growing up, but Christmas itself isn't a very big part of my life. Um, I just haven't been practicing Christianity for a long, long time. Um, but my family is very Catholic, and so it's a very big deal to them. So while I thought going home, everyone's like, oh, in the big grief, the holidays are always hard. And I'm thinking, like, eh, but Christmas isn't really that big of a deal. But even just kind of being in that group of people and being connected to people who are suffering, it ended up being a lot harder than I thought. Um, and so... Yeah, and it's really it's 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 really then it, looking at it from that direction. Then it's not like seeing this attachment as something to kind of get disconnected from, so we don't have to have that experience of grief or something like that again. Um, rather than yeah, having it's just this beautiful, wonderful part of human experience. And I think you know if we're being uh, equanimity is another word that Zen people tend to throw around a lot. Um, just this kind of you know, not accepting or rejecting and seeing things kind of on an equal playing field minus our perceptions. Um, I think this kind of open acceptance of things, you know, does open us up to a lot of kind of difficulties of troubling experiences that we could go to. But it also, um, I think we can equally identify with the other side of things going on in people's lives um, and kind of find joy in other people's successes and um, find, find, find gratitude in other people's health. Um, and so, yeah, so it seems like that's kind of more of the ideal that it's, that these ideas in my mind seem to be moving towards. Um, I think there's also a bit of ego involved in that interpretation because we're talking very much about my family and my you know, my family and my spouse and my friends and, you know, it's like, so it's, it's, so it's like in my mind, it's like I give myself permission that since it's, well, since it's my family, if I have to make a decision between, you know, something that benefits them that maybe harms another, it's like culturally it's okay to, you know, take care of your own and choose your family um, rather than seeing kind of that connection. Again, though not that there's that's good or bad, because I can certainly imagine situations where I'd probably do the same thing for better or worse. Um, yes, so, um, yeah, so I guess like a lot of things, then it just comes down to kind of this balance. Um, and since it is kind of, I think it's not just, you know, kids running the show here now, because I think a lot of this feels pretty much the same as when other people are here, because we're mostly sitting in silence. Um, but even in terms of Dharma talks, um, I like to share more of kind of these struggles I'm kind of in more, more or less. Um, and so this is just definitely something that's been on my mind a lot more. And this difficulty of kind of the middle way of, of, of Buddhism, which we hear a lot, and it can be a frustrating term for me because I tend to be kind of a person of extremes, um, and, you know, I'm, I have some, I'm acting or thinking something way over here, and then I realize that's wrong, and I swing all the way to the other side. It, it tends to take me some time to kind of settle into the middle. So the middle way can be very frustrating for me. This idea of, you know, let, let, being totally open and available, letting in that kind of um, connection and love and these really important parts of the human experience, 
but then no having the wisdom to know when that crosses into attachment or when it crosses into something a little bit more discursive um which i fail at all the time um just full disclosure i'm not good at that but um but yeah it's 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 kind of this nice reminder i guess from our practice of interconnectedness and kind of almost this inter interconnectedness almost as permission for being human in a way and feeling these sorts of uh, uh, feelings and experiences. So, um, yeah, that's all I have. And so with that, uh, thank you. I think we're...